Welcome to Matter of Fat, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and I'm pleased to report that summer has officially hit the Midwest, people. I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Soraya Bogani. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, Minneapolitan millennial who cannot stand the heat. It's a (laughs) scorcher out there, folks. Hot girl summer is off to a real start, and I don't like it. I don't like it. (laughs) I guess I have mixed feelings. I don't know. I do, but I'm also very sweaty. (laughs) On Matter of Fat, we're here to talk about the cultural politics of fat liberation with a Midwest perspective. And this is a fattish episode. It won't include an interview like some of our other episodes. We'll have that next time for you. This one is just Kat and I. Yes, we're here dishing about the third and final season of Shrill. Of course, other things are watching on TV. Some yikes moments on Twitter. What it's like to be a little more out in the world. And lots more. All as a matter of fat. Hot Girl Summer means this is the first time we are recording in the heat, and I would just like to let you know that I'm very sweaty in my closet. <laughs> how are you holding up? Summer. I mean, yeah, it, it wouldn't be the Midwest if we didn't talk about how hot it was. I will say I went to Litchfield today, which is west of the Twin Cities, and I'm a little worried for the crops. I can't, I can't not talk about how brown it was oh out God. there, and we need, we need the rain. And this week is just. Hot as heck. I can't deal with yeah, it. But it's hot. the reason I was out there was I was going to a graduation party because um the world is slightly more open now. Sweet. Yeah, it it's weird, dude. It's real weird. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and Soraya, we had like our first, I don't know, togetherness experience out in the world a mere was it like two weeks ago? Oh, my God. Baby's first patio moment after slash during the end of the pandemic. We were in rare form. I mean, <laughs> we like, there is no other way to no. describe it, truly. <laughs> rare form. Yep. Like, I mean, when, something we giggled about is that we weren't carded, but we had like told the server earlier that it was like our first time out, you know, <laughs> the, the entire pandemic. And Soraya, you looked at me like, oh, my gosh, we weren't carded. And I was like, yeah, we said we hadn't been out the whole pandemic. She knows. We are we are we are old. We are not. No young youth people. have been staying in the house, and no youth are coming out to Nightingale for their first <laughs> patio drink. <laughs> accurate, accurate. But it was so sweet. It was just like it felt, um, like truly immersive. I guess mm-hmm. because we were right on Lindale and uptown. We were uh, outside, of literally course. on the corner. Yeah, yeah, outside on the patio. Uh, we saw people we knew, people we knew saw us, yeah. we learned later. Oh. It was just <laughs> – it was like a breezy, warm date, not hot like it is now, but it just was like the stimulus. I, I think as I'm getting more and more into being in public spaces, it's like it's so stimulating. It's it's like the colors are brighter. Everything sounds louder and it's – I don't know. I, I'm not on any hallucinatory drugs, but it, it does certainly feel more than anything I've experienced in the last year or so. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking earlier today, it feels like it's been a long time since we recorded and it hasn't. It's been like, I don't know, a week or two, but like, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm just doing more stuff and there's like more stuff happening. Um, yeah. And so I think that's why it feels like, oh, just like a lot has happened since last time we recorded rather than it being a, a long amount of time. 
Yeah, we're not just sitting in the house all the time. Oh, it's weird, but also wonderful. Mm-hmm. It it also feels like it's it's like there's no balance to it, I guess, because I was I was just talking with some friends today who came over. Like I was able to host a little coffee pastry breakfast moment with some that. friends that had not been in my house yet because I moved in the midst of the pandemic. And we were just talking about how like we're so excited to see people and yet all of a sudden we're overwhelmed with how much is on our calendars because we haven't planned effectively. Like mm. we're not ready to go from zero to a hundred and yet there's this desire to be with people and see people and yet folks are going to like flake out because it is too much and like I forgot that traffic was a thing. <laughs> like getting to a place yep. and being there on time, I was like, oh yeah, you have to travel. Oops, forgot about that. It's just – um, it's a surreal experience that I hope to capture and remember um, because I hope never to go through it again yeah. is what I'm putting out there. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's just like truly wild to think about how we're going to kind of reacclimate to all of this. For me, I would say it's not as if like my calendar is really filling up, but um, cake is reopening. And so that's been where a lot of like my time and energy has gone. Mm-hmm. Um, not f- or like full schedule, just a couple of days a week in the summer, but starting actually this upcoming weekend. And so I'm just like, oh, wow, I'm going to be in the shop with people like for yeah. you know two long days a week. Like, how is that going to feel? Um, so I'm both very excited about it. Um, also, just like very grateful to be able to do that because like as a business, it's necessary, but also just interested to check in with myself as that goes on. Like, how is this all feeling? Absolutely. This is like maybe an intrusive question. You do not have to answer it if you don't want to. But like as a small business owner, what's the decision on a mask situation? Because I know Minneapolis has like its own rules. St. Paul felt like it needed to change its rules because of Minneapolis's decision. Yeah. Um, I just like, how does that feel for you? It's complicated. And, you know, as mask mandates become looser and looser, or I guess in our situation kind of non-existent now, some of yeah. the the feedback um, from community members and small business owners has been that makes it a lot tougher for small businesses to enforce that kind of thing if we choose to mm-hmm. require masks. So I I know that we will start out requiring masks. Um, I just I don't know how that will move and flow as the summer goes on and into the fall. I think for mm-hmm. myself, I feel pretty. I feel pretty okay. I am vaxxed and and really comfortable spending time with other vaccinated people in close quarters, like inside. Like that Mm -hmm. feels that I'm I've become quickly acclimated to that and it feels quite all right. But I don't I just know that when you open a place up to the when you open yourself up to the public and in my situation, like my business up to the public, you know, there will be there will assuredly be people who are not vaccinated who come in. Probably not a lot, but definitely some. And I don't want to like require vaccination cards at the door, you know, for general mm-hmm. shopping. Like that doesn't feel good for me. So we will um, require masks, especially like, at, well, that's our, when we reopen this weekend, masks will be required. And at some point that will change. And I, I don't quite know when that will be yet. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, I think the in the fall, like, so in the summer, it's hot and we need to have our air conditioning on. And while it does move the air, it's still just like the same. It just doesn't feel like it's really moving yeah. through. But in the fall, when we can like have more breeze happening, I feel like I'll feel even better about the opportunity to not require masks. But 
I mean, stay tuned. I'll let you know in three months what I decide. (laughs) Hopefully we're not having the same conversation in three months and everything (laughs) is smooth sailing from here on out. But I think for me, it's been so bizarre just going into places and like seeing bare faces. Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's weird. I did go to the Minneapolis Institute of Art the other day for the first time in uh, forever. And it was was cute because I'm trying to take the lead of like what the staff are doing and it's mixed. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll walk around, I guess, without a mask. Still like 12 feet away from any person yeah. at any given time. Because that's that one's going to be harder for me to leave. I love being away from people. Yes. I love not being near anybody at all times. Um, but uh, when I was leaving, I overheard some of the staff that was really sweet. They were talking to each other. And one one person said, like, I forgot that people had faces. Oh. It's so good to see faces. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes me feel less worse about my decision to not wear a mask in here. But um, yeah, like we get to see people yeah. again and like have that uh, another point of understanding and connection. Yeah. And yeah, and like interesting. There. For what like so my how I've been operating the last couple of weeks or since the mask mandate um, ended in Minneapolis is like I will put my mask on if I'm going into places where I might be kind of close to people or around a lot of people. So like grocery stores, gas stations, that kind of thing, it's on for sure. But it sounds like at the Mm -hmm. museum, it's like you got to really, I don't know, spread out a lot, be by yourself. It was a Thursday morning. Like it was, yeah, it was was pretty chill. So that was nice. That sounds nice. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I think being near people, yeah, still – a whole new anxiety yeah. uh, version of that, right. that that we all get to and to like i mean like to further connect that to my shop like i have a small shop like we're gonna have a capacity yeah. limit, but even still like people are gonna be close to each other um that's just i mean like within six feet i guess but there's just yeah it's, the smaller the space the more opportunity there is to be um near folks and i think yeah, masks provide a little – for me, I'm, I feel more comfortable like at the grocery store when I'm checking out and there's like four people that I could probably touch around me. It's like, okay, I feel a little better that we have masks on right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's keep our breath to ourselves. Yes, please. That sounds great. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, anything else been going on as far as like reintegrating into the world or what else is on your okay, mind? Okay, a really beautiful back-in-the-world moment. Soraya, I got to go see my mom. Oh, Becky. oh, for the first time in so long. So uh, one of the best, like the biggest gifts of this last year and a half is that my mom has been so careful and thoughtful about like her COVID precautions. And it's just while a lo- I know um, f- for some people in my circles, like they've been very concerned and worried about their parents. And for my mom, I have not had to worry at all. And it's been such a gift. And also that meant I didn't get to like go to her house or give her a hug for a year and a half. Um, and I saw her a couple times, like we exchanged like Christmas presents, like in the car, like with our windows down and like, she put mine in my trunk and then I put hers in her trunk. You know, it was very like (laughs) that kind of deal. Um, so yeah, I got to just like go hang out at her house for a couple of days and it was just so nice to spend time with her. I'm just never more relaxed than I am when I'm at my mom's house. I just go like go sit on her couch for 48 hours and it is just the very best time. 
okay, we were texting a little bit about this, and it, like you were like, I'm trying to get on the yep. road, but I have to like, like wrench myself away yes. from it. And I, I feel the same way because I got a little bit of time with my parents. Luckily, I've I've been able to see them a little bit more, um, especially in the last few months. But uh, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard after like having so much time apart and the comfort of just being with others and people who like want to take care of mm-hmm. you too. I cannot it's I cannot overstate how important that is and just how lucky I am to have that but that feeling that you were talking about was like I just I know I'm supposed to leave but it's real wanna. hard yeah. To get <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I don't wanna is literally the vibe yeah, yeah. yeah. after spending some time with the fam which I'm really grateful for because I know not everybody has that experience yeah. with their family but like I'm so glad you got time with me. oh my gosh it was so great and actually I guess I exaggerated a little bit I didn't stay on her couch for like 48 hours entirely because as moms do my mom was like okay Caitlin I have these piles of things that I can no longer store you need to take them home with can you can I call you Caitlin no. is that something just my mom <laughs> or just my family I guess yeah. Yeah. Um, Caitlin is my given name um, um, but yeah, usually only my mom and like family call me Caitlin and, you know, like the doctor and yeah. the bank and stuff. Um, but I, so I had, I went through a bunch of stuff that she had kind of set aside for me and much of it was pictures. And in addition to going through all of my photo albums that she had kind of set for me, my mom also let me go through photo albums that she's been putting together of her life and like our, her, our family. So like so many extended family members that I kind of know, but don't really know all about. And oh my gosh, it was just... It was the most fun looking at all those pictures. And I don't know if you saw, but I shared a lot of photos of myself back in the day on my Instagram because the style was just, it was immaculate. Something to write home about. The adjective you were looking for. The 90s assignments were noted and done. Uh, correctly did we have short spiky hair yes (laughs) did we have mismatching layers of uh dresses or skirts over jeans check check um was there painted oh yeah check (laughs) um i just there was a a sassy sunglasses uh you just you know how you like (laughs) i die yeah it was just so fun when i was in high school i just wore really wild clothes i think we've talked about this before yeah when we talked about um yeah about the benefits of being fat i think we kind of talked about this and i do think that part of it for me was like well i know i'm gonna stick out anyway so let me like take a little more control of this narrative But from just like a a fashion perspective, I really feel like that time in my life gave me permission to explore and like kind of play with fashion in ways that some people don't or like it showed me that I could really enjoy that Um, because I know for some people that's not something that's very fun. And while I do not dress as um, I don't know, mismatched and like eccentrically as I did then, I do think it's like cool to um kind of know how that history has informed my current style absolutely I think you know you could tell that you were really confident in those photos too like I mean granted they're photos but you just looked like you were having the best time in all of them and I think that's telling of feeling confident in the clothes that you put together the looks you put together because they were full looks like these were not mismatched pieces this is like a whole ensemble that was cultivated curated specifically what's so funny is like if people like I something I say a lot is like I don't like things that are like outfits or like if there's a group look I don't like it to be too matchy but I like it to coordinate and that is what mm-hmm. those 
really <laughs> wild looks in my school where it's like there are four different patterns going on. You talk about pattern mixing. There are four different Multiple paisleys. I saw so coming through. I just, I'm surprised so I didn't see more hemp necklaces, to be oh, honest. Yeah, no, those were not those didn't get the as much as much of my love as yeah paisley stuff old like um polyester old thrifted like vintage things i mean it was it was a moment um but yeah it was just really fun to go through those and it was fun to share some of those looks um and like some of those childhood photos on instagram and if a lot of people um also were like relatable i also looked like i was 45 in my ninth grade photo <laughs> school photo like glad i wasn't alone I'm like, thanks y'all yeah and actually that's something i was noticing too like i think you know, just the the lens or like the way we look at things now, looking back at old or the things we know now, looking back at old photos. Um, I just I was always so much bigger than everyone, but I just like looked so much older than everyone. Even when I was like four, I looked like I was seven, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that like body size has something to do with that. But also I was looking through my mom's photo albums and I think she looked kind of mature for her ages when she was younger as well. And we've always resembled each other mm. quite a bit. So I don't know. It's just like interesting to think about. Um, yeah, think about how our body size and how we look showing up in the world impacts how people treat us as we are in our youth. You know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but anyway, it was cool to know uh, I was not alone in that <laughs> in this moment. Also, <laughs> I feel so compelled to share this. This is a really specific reference that maybe a few of you. I don't even know if you'll know this, Soraya. Did you uh, ever read the Ramona Quimby books by Beverly Cleary when you were young? I I don't know. My memory is very hazy. Like, I know of them. I don't know if I actually read them. Or, like, maybe I read one and I was like, nah, thanks. Give me those magic books. Right. Give me those <laughs> Ethan Harry Potter books. Give me some well, C.S. Lewis. I don't know. Okay. Why? What's the, so what's the reference? We, so we read those in my family. And actually, we watched the movies. Like, when we were younger, we would rent the movies, the old, old movies. Rem- there are yeah, the movies? movies. I didn't even From know. the public library, we would brunt them but there's this quote in the book that my fa- my family me- being my mom my sister and I we laugh at we still laugh at Ramona's older sister Beezus goes and gets her haircut and she's just so excited to get her haircut and she comes home and it just looks so bad and Ramona says she was a 12 year old girl with 40 year old hair <laughs> It's just like there have been so many moments and so many school pictures in my life where it's like she was an adolescent woman with a soccer mom hairstyle. I mean, you were a five-year-old girl with a pageant like wig hair situation going on. That was your real hair, hair, but my my God. (laughs) So yeah, it's just a little bit of an adventure. But anyway, um, gosh, sorry, I went on and on about that. But it was just so much fun to be with my mom and look through photos and chat through all of that stuff um, and share some of those photos on Instagram. Oh my, and like kind of be... um, Surrounded by other people who also like saw themselves in the weirdness that was high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh goodness. That's it. Well, okay. Here's one other thing yeah? I'll share about that is like it is very much the time where you know people are finally going back to their parents' house. I'm speaking specifically my friends. You are included in that, of course. But I have other friends too who are experienced mm-hmm. this too, where they go back and their parents have 
you know, been in their houses for a long time. And so they want to get rid of everything Mm -hmm. in the house. And so they end up having to be like, all right, go through this, go through this, take it. Otherwise I'm getting rid of it. And my friend was like, well, I didn't want this saved in the first (laughs) place. You're the one who saved it. But somehow I have acquired one of my best friend's little brother's self portraits from like fifth grade or something. Incredible. (laughs) It's incredible. And I have a plan for it. I have um, one of my other best friends, actually, Michael, who we've mentioned on the pod before. Um, he did a self-portrait in college, which, which you I also love have. on canvas. Mm, yeah. So I'm going to have a wall of like people's self-portraits, I think. <laughs> I'm going to start collecting them. That's so incredible. If, if anybody out there who's listening, can, if, we're, if we're friendly, if we're friends and I, you've been to my home before, which is a f- slim amount of people at this <laughs> point because yeah. of the pandemic. But if you have a childhood um, portrait that you would like to contribute to my wall of portraits, please hit me up, especially if you're going through your parents' wow. stuff and it, it becomes... Feasible. I wish I had a portrait um, yeah. to contribute. I have some collages. <laughs> nope, it has to be a self portrait. <laughs> no, that's the I only thing keeping this loose theme together. <laughs> I don't have anything like that. You have random children's artwork <laughs> on my funny. wall. Uh, yeah, oh, man, oh that's my goodness. Great. Yeah. Okay, I know we're gonna talk about shrill later, but I we're yes. us. So, like, we should talk a little bit about TV we're watching, media we're consuming, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm a little miffed, I gotta say. <laughs> I know um, where this is going. <laughs> so, Kat and I talk about Criminal Minds just, just too often. So just much. too often. A couple months ago, I started watching it for the first time ever. And I've been like slowly making my way through. Also, I'm only on season eight. Also, it's not even halfway. I'm no, so even mad. Even though there's 12 <laughs> seasons on Netflix, there's, we learned there's 15, maybe 16 total. I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not there. But um Kat recently, and by that I mean the last month, decided to like start watching and she has overtaken me <laughs> in watching the shows. So before I was gonna be like, Did you see this? <gasps> Wait until this happens. And now she's doing it to me. And I gotta say, it does hype up the scenario a little bit. I'm a little bit more excited, but I just you're fast and furious with it, girlfriend, and I, I don't know how to keep up with you. You're gonna be seasons ahead by the time <laughs> oh, I finish this one how the this tables point. have turned <laughs> have turned well, how so they've turned I, I I watched Criminal Minds years ago and while I'm re-watching it was kind of the same thing happened to me with Scandal because like I watched all of the I watched so much TV during this pandemic y'all and I will probably continue to I love TV um but I I re-watched Scandal and so there was like some episodes that were really familiar and then at some point I transitioned into seasons I'd never seen and with Criminal Minds I'm still on the seasons that I've seen before but only some of the shows are really like in my recollection other ones I don't quite remember so Soraya you'd get and I'm also someone who doesn't really mind spoilers so it was fun for you to be like oh mm-hmm. wait till this happens wait till this happens but now I guess maybe I need to get clear with you do you want do you want little <laughs> peaks of things or do you need to wait until you've seen the app before we talk about it Oh my gosh. I don't know. Here's the deal, people. The reason we talk about it so much is because we are very wrapped up in these people's lives. So invested in the lives of these fictitious characters. These fake, fake (laughs) people who are workplace friends. I I can I consider that 
my favorite shows are like workplace family situations, mm. right? Like, well, maybe not even my favorite, but like the ones that captivate our imaginations the most. Because what, like, The Office yeah. is obviously a national favorite. Dare I say international? Um, yeah, actually, because it's literally from the UK first <laughs> and foremost. Wow, rude. Um, and that's a workplace scenario. Back in the day when I loved Bon Appetit Test Kitchen, that was like a bunch of oh, workplace yeah. folks who were friends and friendly. Uh, you want to talk about Law and Order? <sighs> I mean, any propaganda show, people Every are at work. Freaking propaganda that's how you show. get to know them. Oh, we've discussed one yeah. of my least attractive qualities is that I cannot kick the propaganda the propaganda habit. I just and and although I would not put Criminal Minds in that. Well, I don't know. Would you? Because it, mm, it's. Ugh. Yeah, it probably. But they're like slightly different. They're like apart from the cops, but they're not. They're and working also, with them. They, at they all kill times. so many people. They kill. And I've heard. I I remember. <laughs> okay, in a recent episode in season eight, Derek Morgan read someone his rights when he arrested them, and I thought this is the first time I've ever heard someone being read their rights when they were arrested. Season eight. I think it's switched. No, I think it's switched early on. I think they actually did like book the people more often uh. than not. And I don't know if there was any testing, like a uh, group testing or people were like, why do these people keep living? I don't know what changed, but then it did shift over to them more often than not killing yep. the unsub. Un- unknown subject. Unidentified subject for those. Uh, unknown, thank you. Um, yeah, and also we, we can stop talking about <laughs> now because we'll talk about it forever but if anybody wants to get in on the criminal minds chatter with us tweet us hop in the friends and fans (sighs) facebook group because we got thoughts we got opinions we're on season eight as of right now by the time this airs cat will be on season 13 and i will still be on season eight episode three no No. this airs in like three days i will still be i'm can't these are like 40 minute episodes i'll still be in season nine don't worry and yeah yeah we're nine now I'm no, an eight, we're nine. No, mm-hmm. is yep. that true? Because remember, wow. nine was like the yep. Yeah. We're, in, we're in. Yep. <laughs> we're really okay. we're one episode away it's from going each other. Too fast. It's too okay, fast. We do need to stop before um, this turns into a criminal minds podcast. Which, on the one hand, I would not hate, but on the other hand, is not our matter of fat vibe. What a huge plot twist for all the folks talking. I mean, and we could go off on the fat oh, stuff could, in it too, or the lack thereof we, too. But yeah, okay, but we won't today. That's, for yeah. the Patreon, just kidding, we don't have a Patreon. Um, let's talk about other things we've been watching, because you recommended an awesome Hulu movie to me that I we have to talk about. Yes. And I talked about it on the pod a few ah, episodes yes. ago. I can't remember how anymore. So I was really excited for this Hulu movie called Plan B, starring Kuhu Verma and other folks that are, like, unknown. I don't think – I knew, like, one person in it, and that's because they used to work at College Humor or something like that. But unknown. Nobody would know them. Um, but it is basically – it is of the trope of, like, Booksmart or Superbad or Harold and Kumar movies where it's, like, two friends who go on an odyssey to achieve their goal – um, in this case, the goal is Plan mm-hmm. B, and it's two girls who live in South Dakota, Midwest, Midwest represent baby. what's going on. Yeah, and so it came out um, a couple weeks ago, and I watched it immediately because I was just really excited to see somebody of South Indian or like South Asian descent, um, and to see like what this could look like because we both loved Booksmart so much, so much. and. The movie is great. It is crude. I just got to say that, like, off the bat, like, the languages, it didn't really bother me because um, I'm crude, I guess. But um, but 
it is done in a way that really serves character development and storytelling. And it's like so reminiscent of being a teen. Not that I was this teen. Like I was not the teens that are represented in this movie, but I – Parts of yep. me, I think, are are represented in a really beautiful way. Ah, oh, I love it. Kat, I, what did you think? I'd love I to hear your thoughts. I loved it. I was so, like, you had recommended it, and I was like, okay, it's on my list or whatever. Um, and the other day, I finally watched it, and I just, I like, I didn't, I, I was compelled to just say to say right now, like, I liked it more than I thought I would. I don't know why I didn't think I would like it very much. Like, I, I, because of like you said, I these shows, book smart. I mean, we love them. This is a little, it felt a little Moxie-y too. You know, there's no like Odyssey in Moxie, but it's like, you know, we're high schoolers doing a thing. Um, But it was incredible. I just, oh, I loved all of it. I thought it was so funny. I didn't mind the crudeness at all. In fact, I kind of liked it. I mean, it is like an R-rated thing. Mm -hmm. I love, I well, how many, how, in terms of spoilers, what are you thinking, Soraya? Should we, should we, should we not? Well, well, this is not. Let's this is, do okay, it. This is not what I'm about to say. Actually, isn't really that big of a spoiler. But we see like a penis, like just very much full on screen, and we don't see any like women's nudity at all. And I just love that so much because it is the exact opposite of what we ever see on TV and on the screen. I know that yeah. maybe sounds weird, but it's like. No, this is great. And it's also like a very ludicrous moment. So, so much of this movie and why I think it's actually quite smart is because it's taking some of the ridiculousness of this country and specifically a state like South Dakota and, and using it to tell yeah. a bigger story. So like, what is that ridiculousness? Like, oh, this this high school has abstinence only education. Um this high school or like this community doesn't or has the op- option to like not provide um, plan B like yeah. sexual health. Yeah. Plan B or yep. other, other like resources. The pharmacy, the pharmacist doesn't have to provide that to people if they don't want to, because it's a conscience clause. Um, you know, what happens when you're trying to get to a Planned Parenthood and it, like, it's not accessible mm-hmm. to you or mm-hmm. it's not in your state just for your own care. And like, um, it talks about healthcare. It talks about drug challenges, like challenges we have mm-hmm. with drugs in our community, in our country. And it does it in a way that like leads these characters to really scary situations. And they're just like right on the edge of it at all times. But then they can back away and they can back away because they have each other. They can back away because they're really smart. Um, but it's also like dealing with this bigger theme of like one big mistake just ruining yeah. your life. Like that comes up time and time again. But like as you're watching, it, you're like, oh, well, it's not really your one big mistake. It's like an action happening in an environment not allowing you to take like pr- precaution or take care yeah. of yourself. And I think that's uh, so telling and so good. And they do it in a really funny way. Like the details are on point. And we talked about this with Moxie before, but like even the first scenes show you both of the characters. So Sunny and Lupe's rooms and the way that they set the scenes are just so good at indicating the personality mm-hmm. types of these two characters. And um, it's just really smart. It's a little tense. I had my other friend watch it and she's like, I got too stressed well, I mean, out. it is a little stressful, but <laughs> that's kind of what stressful. helps push the plot along. It's like this like sort of odyssey situation that you're talking about. It's like we got to we got to figure this out. We're, uh, you know. The details, though, too, were so good. Um, Like, they show a bowling alley, and it is very much, like, rural bowling mm-hmm. alley situation. Convenience store. <laughs> Check. You got that nailed. Um, 
I just like the, the music. music. The music was so it was well like done. Some old so random well stuff. Done. There was a moment when Nickelback was playing. I was like, "What is this?" I thought it was was it Creed oh, or was shoot, it Nickelback? You're right. It is Creed. It was Creed. I they are one in the same I mean, in my both mind, and, baby. It was. Both. Can you take me higher? <laughs> uh, and it was just so appropriate. Even the way they did, oh, the like costume design. Like these kids were in the same yeah. clothes the whole weekend, and that was like very good because sometimes things change. I don't. It just felt realistic in a way that I think like other teen movies with a big party with like things gone awry yeah. don't. Um, uh, it was beautiful. It, it's a beautiful movie, and warrants a couple watches because you pick oh, up. I on should some watch stuff it again. Yeah, I, I think the way you described mm-hmm. it, like, or I love Soraya, what you just shared about how like it's tackling some like big issues and sort of not the failure of these young women, but like how it's like our culture around them is kind of failing them or like not supporting them in yeah. this moment. Uh, and I wonder, I, I think. The, like harsh critique works so well because it's also just so freaking funny you know and I wonder yeah. like when we were younger I feel like we had this comedy in the movies we watched but I don't think we had this type of critique I don't think it was like this at all or maybe I just was so I wasn't oh, tuned no. into that but I just think what's happening now with movies like this and Moxie and you know um book smart like there's just so much more happening and I think I just yeah. I I hope that like the youth of America are better for it. I hope so. I, I the thing is though, as we live in the time post Olivia Rodrigo sour, um, you know how much of this is actually made for young folks, and how That's much is it point. just being gobbled up left and right by thirty year olds <laughs> by millennials? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, do are the youth even gonna watch this? Like, is, yeah. is this real for them? I do not know. I don't know. I don't know. I maybe. I don't have very many youths in my life to to ask. But we don't have a poll. I'm compelled. Compelled to know. Uh, Are they watching us? Does this mean anything to them? Does yeah. it feel oh. real for them? I don't know. I don't know either. Oh, and I mean, I, we shouted out the Midwest before, but I just have to say again, I loved how this took place in the Midwest, and kind of, and and that is part of what ties into some of these issues at play in terms of accessing um, Plan B. Uh, oh, it was just so so good, so 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 good. Um, there were some like it is very funny. I gotta say, like even though it's heartbreaking, like it's also exploring relationships, the kind of lies we ha- like tell each other or tell ourselves and in friendship. friendship or the people we love the most, and how we're not sure how to like yeah. share things, parts of ourselves with them at times. And they do it in a really, really beautiful way, and also just really funny writing. So like, um, mm-hmm. Sunny throws a party. And she comes up to her friend Lupe at one point and she says, partying and drinking, I feel so stimulated. Is this what white privilege feels like? And I <laughs> cackled out loud. <laughs> like there were lots of actual LOL moments. Um, uh, she walks into the bathroom and there's just like a boy in there. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, it's okay. I'm not going number one, but my eyes are. <laughs> my eyes Because <laughs> he was having a bad time at the party. <laughs> Um, at one point they need like they have a paper map and they're like looking at it and they're trying to figure out and then Sunny goes this just really needs like a zoom feature like a and she's just like using like her finger and they're like oh we're not even looking at the right the right state State. we can't even figure this out and then they finally see a light up and they're like okay we're saved and then Lupe just takes the map and scrunches up like she does not fold it back up and she goes fuck you paper and then throws it in the back and I'm like this is just like yes yes this energy all the way around very into it very into it Mm -hmm. 
Um, or like, <laughs> oh, they did a good job of capturing like the rebellion that teens feel, but also um, like still wanting to, I don't know, like live up to your parents expectations so at one point like lupe right. is told to wipe off her black lipstick and she walks outside and she puts in a, like a fake septum nose ring <laughs> it's like this moment mm-hmm. of like i got him and then she walks over and then she <laughs> kicks over a statue in the front yard and then but then she walks off screen and then she comes back and puts it back and i was like that is just like <laughs> such an interesting detail that they chose to put into this and there's a lot of those throughout yeah. the film that i really appreciate um i don't know i could talk forever about this um it's a good one we recommend it we hope that you'll check it out it is yeah it's a there's good one other thing i want to say another moment oh that was gosh, really yes. specific yes so at one point throughout the bowling alley because of course there's a concert there and uh oh okay okay two comments because when we've talked about moxie before we were talking about like oh this love interest is so wonderful oh, yeah um and like the reason he's wonderful is because you've got three older sisters the love interest in this one apparently needs three older sisters too to be a decent human being it's the only I way just, it's the only way what is that plot device <laughs> i cannot um but in yeah. any case sunny and those love interests are like at the bowling alley they're sitting together his friends are there and his friend turns to him and he's like hey hunter i got a poop want to come with <laughs> hunter's like no i don't think so he's like okay and he, no. he and his other friend go off and i'm like what <laughs> what just happened is this like a nod to girls going off to the bathroom together was this just to try and get sunny and hunter some alone time was this the thing that boys <laughs> do like i don't i don't, I don't know. know and i just thought it was that really was cute. also weird and weird me. yeah yes um but yes i if you if you watch it we could talk about it forever like everything else um please let us know just but you know what we should do we should make a post about it in our friends and fans facebook group so if you also watch it you can chat with us about it mm-hmm. there that'd be fun huh yeah i will say there's no like fat representation oh mm, there's one isn't there one fat character and like another student who's like there two times apparently i don't even remember that am i misremembering she says like nothing. She says one thing, maybe. <laughs> Literally, don't remember. So like, so yeah, yeah there's, so there's there is virtually no fat her. representation. However, I was thinking about this. I don't think there's any like overt fat no. phobia that stuck out to Mm-mm. me. Accurate. So that is so. I guess we got to be grateful for something in terms That's of fat truly stuff. What and it is. that is one. That thing. is what it is. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um. Okay. What, okay, let's get on to something else, because otherwise we'll just yeah, keep okay. going this way for too long. I think we should move into some more fat things. Okay. Oh, and um, related to, I guess, like, things we have to dish about, some of which are fat, um, there's some Twitter things we wanted to talk about, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What? So maybe we can start with your Twitter thing. My Twitter <laughs> I don't yeah, think well, something about it, but yes. The yes. <laughs> thing you brought okay. up that you saw on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so I am very fortunate. My mom was an educator for many years, and she always shared really wonderful books with me. And one of my favorite books, which is actually, I mean, you don't have to have an educator mom to have this be your favorite book. I think a lot of people did as a child, but was uh, The Very Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carl. Um, and Eric Carl passed away recently, which is kind of sad. Uh, I mean, very sad. 
But something interesting that I saw happening on social media was this excerpt from an interview with Eric Carle, um, where he was talking about how he had to fight with his publisher about the caterpillar, you know, eating, eating a lot, and then having a stomach ache. And originally, Carle didn't want that stomach ache to be an issue. He wanted the butterfly to eat as much as, or the caterpillar to eat as much as it needed before transforming into a butterfly. And so I saw a lot of people sharing this out. I'm like, this is a really um like fat posy like body posy situation going on how mm-hmm. how wonderful like i i knew i love these books but like w- what a wild thing that he had to fight against that and then what ended up happening on twitter is i saw someone it's at avi the naftali a v i t h e n a f t a l i actually pointed out that like hey hold up hold up everybody this is from the paris review it was an april fool's article from the paris review where they made up this whole interview so this didn't actually happen and the whole joke was like about you know being body positive basically and this was back in the day and so it's just like Mm -hmm. a misattribution happening the person who found it and started sharing it um actually was doing it because it was based on a book about Eric Carle and like somebody missed missed the ball or dropped the ball. That's probably the phrase that we should say here about doing their research because they put this interview into that book and Mm -hmm. it was inaccurate. And so what's happening now is you've got people like the Smithsonian sharing this or the people all over the social media, all my friends, all the people in my circles who are like, this is super rad, rest in peace. It's like, yeah, it is super rad. It's also not accurate. And also like- It's not true. Sucks. (laughs) It sucks that it's inaccurate. And also like unfortunate for this man who's passed to have this thing be attributed to him when it was a joke by the Paris Review in the first place. So- yeah broke my heart my broke my heart yeah Yeah. and just like like you just said like brings up a lot of stuff like especially when things are said about you posthumously you know and you like can't you have no ability to respond that just it's weird and hard and it's like of course you when we see people that we've held in high esteem saying radical stuff it's like oh so exciting and then it's so disappointing to know that that wasn't the case at all and also still we can still hold them in high esteem it's just like not in this way you know Mm -hmm. I I don't think it's a big enough name mm -hmm. for people to realize and like walk that back so I wonder how much more yeah profusely that would be shared or how profusely it was shared and people will never know that it was a weird cruel misquote (laughs) misquote yeah well, uh, man. So Twitter, that's Twitter for you. Twitter, yeah. <laughs> What's your Twitter so thing? I have another Twitter thing, which is just uh, we don't need to go too much into it, but I will. It caught me off guard. So, um, you know, I tweet lots of stuff. My distaste for Noom, my thoughts and feelings about Criminal Minds. Oh my god, just this podcast, um, and also some, <laughs> and also some fat stuff. Yeah, so basically everything I talk about here. Um, and I saw, and I don't really spend. I'm not. I like no one cares about me enough on Twitter for my stuff to get very much mileage. Uh, you know, like sometimes I'll have a few people interested in what I'm saying, but for the most part. Not a lot of retweets, not a lot of communication. So when there is, I like notice it. And something I tweeted a year ago about um, just the idea of like, not all fat people eat more than thin people. Like that's not the whole story here. Like that's not how this works exactly. Uh, something to that effect. Uh, I posted, yeah, oh, oh, at least over a year ago, um, I saw it had been retweeted and then was like kind of getting a lot of traction. 
And I'm like, oh no, what's this about? And so I found who retweeted it and some of the people commenting and other things. And I just like stumbled upon what I think we refer to as eating disorder Twitter um, and was just so taken aback by the the types of folks that were sharing like really hateful, fat phobic and images and information. Um, and of course, like, you know, I can't speak to this um, with any kind of eloquency or authority because I have no real experiences with eating disorders. Um, but it's just so hard to see so many folks who appear from their bios to be quite young and also quite with it in lots of other ways, like happy to share their pronouns in their bio, happy to like hashtag Black Lives Matter, happy to do other things that to me read as like a really social justice focused person to see folks like that sharing just like truly blatant, hateful, fat phobic imagery and information. It really caught me off guard and it was just really sad. And like, when I think about the kind of, when I envision a fat phobic troll, you know, like who is this fat phobic person? That bio that I just described is not yeah. that person. And so it was just a really hard thing to think about. And also like, there, I mean, there was, I, I don't enjoy people being cruel to me on the internet, but for the most part, like whatever, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but it was just this whole uncovering this whole community that really caught me off guard and was, yeah. So that's my, my Twitter news. Yeah. I mean, okay. So Kat and I just did a presentation for um, the place I work at actually, and the larger like parent organization there. And something that I think applies directly to this is actually from Aubrey Gordon's book, what we don't talk about when we talk about fat, which is where she's great book. Great book can't go listen to it. I mean, it's basically what we talk about here, yeah. um, but she has some really good data behind it and specifically mentioned the Harvard implicit bias survey, which was, you know, over nine years featuring like 4 million individuals participating in it and like what she found or what the I guess the survey and the research found is that over time implicit bias on race and sex like decreased and um, like other things that they were looking at like age and um, disability and things like that kind of remain stable as far as like being anti any of those identities and how but however in those last years, anti-fat and pro-thin um, biases increased by 40%. And it's like the slowest changing self-disclosed attitude. And I think that's what we're seeing here too. And I, I was talking with a friend of mine who works with a, a young person who's in college. Oh my God, I just dated myself by saying a young person. Um, <laughs> a, a, college, a college student. And the scholarship was like, what do you think of the word fat phobic or fat phobia? And my friend was like, oh yeah, it's bad. It's bad and it's, it's true. But this person was like, yeah, but I was watching TLC's My 600 Pound Life and like, yeah, but like people could just take better care of themselves. It's like, mm. this is a really up and up person who's like very with it in regards to yeah. gender, sex, um, racial identity, all these other things. And yet for some reason, fat phobia or anti-fat bias, I should say, is just really rocketing and up there. And I don't know why. Yeah. Well, and you know, this isn't, this aligns with things we said before, how we can be, and something that's come up time and time again in the podcast and came up maybe most recently in our conversation with Candace, I think in our last episode, Yeah, just the idea that like you could, we can be in spaces that are like working to be so liberatory and really radical and, 
um, you know, with a strong focus on liberation in a lot of ways. And still, fat phobia and anti-fat bias just like finds its way to creep in. Yeah. Uh, in in really surprising and um yeah, surprising in the worst way type mm-hmm. of type of ways. Which like we know on social media exists, but like stumbling onto a whole population yeah. that you didn't realize exists like this. Pocket, oh my god. It's very disconcerting. It was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so alarming. And it just like, oh young people. Like I feel I just like feel so sad about what's happening here and i don't think that me as a person has a whole i don't think that you care to listen to anything i have to say or do mm-hmm. um and to so i don't feel like i can influence this at all it was just hard um but yeah i think i love that you shared that uh that information from aubrey gordon's book and i love that you shared that in our presentation the other week because i think it is just something that many people aren't thinking about and um, something that everyone should have on their radar. Yeah. I mean, you who are listening right now, we appreciate you tuning in just because we understand that like you are part of this conversation and knowledgeable. And I think, you know, if it ever comes up and, and you have to either stand up for yourself or other people in your area who are being impacted negative by negatively by anti-fat bias, I mean, like, Use this use this data because it's not what yep. what we kind of closed out by saying is like, you know, we are two fat people who are coming to give this presentation on fat phobia, anti-fat bias, like diet culture, uh, fat liberation, body positivity. But like, yeah, it, it directly impacts us. But like, just take a look at how harmful it is to everybody in the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, oive, ah, oive. Well, thank you yeah. for listening, I guess I should say to to you right now. Um but I don't know. What other fat stuff did you want to talk about? So we got to talk about Shrill, oh, yes. but we've been talking for so long already. Can we make it brief, you think? <laughs> I don't know. Listen, we won't have ads, okay? We don't need to yeah. couch time to, like, have you listen to Noom or whatever. Yeah. So, like, maybe I think we could have a quick a quick chat about it. I loved it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, oh, I loved it. The third and final season of Shrill came out just the other week. We were both really excited about it. And it delivered. It delivered in a big way. The relationships that you got to see grow and develop and get messy and get loved lovely and get messy yes. again. It yes. just is so yes. good. And I think, okay, if you've listened to any of our episodes before, this whole podcast is predicated on friendship. Absolutely. That's why we like movies Absolutely. like Booksmart. And I would say like the friendship between Annie and um, Fran is just so remarkable. And one of the characters in this season who's new to this season um, just talks about how like mischievous they are with each other. And I was like, that is the hallmark of such a good friendship where you can be goofy and a little mischievous and like build on each other. And mm-hmm. uh, it's like, yes, that is why I love them together so much. Like they just vibe on this other level. And the chemistry yeah. between them is immaculate. And also as they recognize as they're growing up needs to change, you know, as they grow yeah. together, they need to change. And so I think, that was a really beautiful way to kind of end this story of Shrill as we know it. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but I, I really liked the ending. I know other people thought it was kind of left undone, but I really yeah. enjoyed it. We actually asked on Instagram if some of y'all had thoughts about the show. And one person did mention that they loved the season and loved all of the challenges, like kind of the messy stuff that Annie had to go through. But then they said, that ending? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I will admit, I was 
it felt a little anticlimactic and also I wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah. I really like I really like how it wrapped up, especially for a season close. Um, it just really left us kind of imagining lots of different possibilities for them and and really centering that friendship between um, Fran and Annie. And oh, yeah, so while it wasn't what I expected, I did really like the ending. It's interesting to have because I know I don't know if we've talked about it, but there's this common feeling once you finish a book or a series that you've gotten so enveloped in these people's lives that you're like oh what is my life like how do I what's my next thing that I like latch on to or get to enjoy and the way that they ended this almost made it like a like real for me because it was like Mm -hmm. oh yeah this is going to continue and you probably won't know what it is but it's not like a severing of the experience because it's not mm-hmm. all tied up. And you're like, oh, yeah. well, they'll continue to live their lives like real people. Mm-hmm. Even though I would say all of the characters are just like over the top, over the top <laughs> in so many ways, especially when you think about the work environment that they're in. Just yeah. like yeah. so ridiculous, absolutely yeah. bonkers of a work environment. Um, And just like the reactions – but, like, you said that this is the most realistic representation you've seen in a show out there for you. What, yeah, what specifically were you referring to when we talked about that? For me, this is just the most relatable fat story that I have seen or read. Um, I And that's, like, for me, this, like, fat white lady who is, I don't know, and not – I wouldn't say I'm like Annie in a lot of ways, but the way – the, the things we get to see from Annie and from Fran, I just, I don't think I've seen in any other book or movie or TV show. Like, it's just very honest and real. And I think I see this showing up this season. I felt that a lot with all, like, all of the relationship dynamics we got to see. Mm-hmm. We got to see this, like, this guy that we thought was, like, really into her that tried to convince her that she just, like, had misinterpreted the whole situation. Mm-hmm. We got to see a resurgence of the like schlubby ex from season one. Yeah. (laughs) And we got to see her go on this really awful blind date moment with another, with this character who's also fat and like how that kind of worked. And then it sort of, that sort of resolved itself as the um, season went on. I just, oh, the ways that like we got into those situations, those situations could have happened to anybody, but being a fat person in that scenario changes it a bit. And I don't think I've seen that nuance in other, in uh, in other dynamics of other shows where there aren't fat characters. Yeah. We also see nuance in the character development as like making big ass mistakes. And oh not just gosh, like so mistakes in the realm of like these one-to-one relationships or interpersonal relationships. Like Annie makes a big mistake and visiting like this um separatist ranch that's like super racist and has yeah. to deal with the blowback of that yeah. when she talks with her friends who are black and like what they yeah. have to do with that. Um, and it's like, yeah, please do talk about that. That's really important mm-hmm. to consider. Um, also just like queer love on this show is so yeah. beautiful. And so, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, like you said, I, I know it's been out there, but I haven't seen it shown in this way, like showing differences in class, showing differences in race and like 
you know, bridging that and moving at a different pace than another person, like emotionally and maturely. Um, mm-hmm. It's just really beautiful. Yeah, it was so, so good. Um, some other folks on Instagram, uh, I would love to share their thoughts because I know we'll have thoughts about their thoughts. Um, <laughs> one person said that they want a season four. Yeah. And as much as I would, I mean, yes, absolutely. I would love to see this go on and on and on. And also, I think there's just huge merit to stopping on a high point, you know, to ending on this beautiful high moment instead of like going on for seasons and seasons and like letting it get old or not as exciting. And I wonder, and actually maybe you've mentioned this before, Soraya, like what's next for these, these writers, these actors, like what more can we see from them? Yeah. Well, actually, I think we've talked about SNL on the show a couple times too, but like Sudi Green and obviously A.D. Bryant were on or are on SNL and Sudi Green is a writer that I really like. So I know, I think she's leaving SNL, um, but there's so many other really comedic people like, okay, so do you know the character um, at the workplace who has like the blonde hair and she's like real weird? She's like kind of mousy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her name is yes. Joe Firestone. Oh, yes, yes, and yes. she's one of my favorite comics ever. <laughs> so, like, mm-hmm. I, I hope she's going big places. Uh, Patty Harrison is and just like, oh, all these people are so, so good. And so, yeah, whatever they go on to do. Like, this is why I talk about names whenever I talk about projects is because, like, I just want to see where they go. Because whatever yeah. they do next, I'm going to most likely enjoy because they're really just building up a bigger and bigger – Uh, portfolio of work that if I'm into this, I'll probably be into that. I like your voice. I like what you're doing. And uh, yeah, good point. And also, I mean, we had talked about like the Easter egg of the situation where um, in the book and in like Lindy's real life. Oh my gosh. Yes, 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 yes. This She ends up with the character who wasn't a Mahdi from Shrill, but like is a version of a Mahdi. Um, yeah. And so I fully anticipated this, this story wrapping up with them getting together. Me too. From that, season one, I thought that was going to happen. And that like it does give you that vibe throughout it consistently. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And I think like to just to reiterate for folks that maybe aren't familiar with this, but like Lindy West's real life husband, Lindy West, who wrote Shrill, whom this this series is based around. Well, I guess the book is it's based on the book, which she wrote about her life, her real life husband has like a lot of things in common with the character Amadi on the show. And therefore, Soraya and I and probably lots of other people mm-hmm. were sure they were going to get together. Yeah. But the way the show ended is that it leaves room they for could. that to potentially happen. Yeah. And yes. I love yes. that. I yes. love that this is like a like one point in time of this character's life and we don't know what's going to happen, but you've set the stage for my imagination to go there and like build this out. And I kind of love it. I kind of yeah. feel like I don't need this story to be told to me anymore because I can see in myself represented enough in it or I can mm-hmm. see other other um it's built a foundation for me to understand what the course could take from this. And also, like, maybe not, but I love it. And I didn't expect that with how, how I don't know, there wasn't closure. It wasn't wrapped up in a pretty ribbon at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there's one other thing that I think we should talk about because okay. it was mentioned on Instagram. Okay. Um, someone said they loved this season. It was their favorite season. And then they said that it was painful to watch Annie mistreat the blind date at yes. first. So I think we should talk about that. Whew. Internalized anti-fat bias is awful. 
is awful. So for those of you who haven't seen it or don't remember what happens, Amadi, actually the character that we thought Annie was going to get with, um, he sets Annie up with his friend who like just got out of a relationship. He's like, this is the best guy I know. Y'all are going to get along so well. And Annie shows up at the restaurant and we see this guy and he's fat. And she responds really negatively. Yeah. She basically thinks that Amadi just set them out together because they're both fat. And she looks yeah. for every cue to inform that of being true. Yeah. And then, and then just it goes downhill from there. <laughs> it's so bad. It's really, so really bad. bad. It's it's just, it's terrible. Doesn't she do um, a text? Like she means oh, to text somebody else, but then text him texts instead. Him. Oh, yeah, Lord. It's, it's just, oh, God. It is. It is awful. Um, yeah. And I guess like while. Uh, so, OK, one, I'm so happy the scene was in here Two, Annie, of course, acted terribly. And it, it's like hard and painful to watch. And also, I get that feeling of like, what the fuck? You just found the first fat friend you had and set us up together mm-hmm. like that. I could just feel. Oh my god! Like when she like laid eyes on this guy, and actually he's like quite cute, and we get to see more of he's him throughout the season, cute. and it's great, he's an absolute babe, um, tr- truly. But in that moment, it's like, and of course, like that's what we're maybe this is how we're supposed to respond. But I was just like, <gasps> it hit me. I just knew exactly how she was feeling in that moment, and I was like mad and sad on her behalf, and mm-hmm. also not okay with how things proceeded. But like, I just that feeling felt so real to me. Yeah. Like she was, she was bad. She was bad. She was bad. She was bad. She was. It was bad behavior. It was not okay. Um, and also like, there is no excuse for any person to mistreat any person. You know, like Mm -hmm. just if I'm bad and you set me up, yeah. It's just that, and how I just wonder. I just, yeah, it's just hard for me to believe that that like wasn't part of the scenario in his in Amadi's mind setting them up, and also like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I could go on and on. I don't feel like I'm. I, I feel like I'm defending Annie, and I'm not trying to. No, I just no. like. But it's like oof. particularly gruesome her behavior when you see some of her other dates before that, and how, just how much leniency she gave them when they were truly Absolutely. heinous. Absolutely <laughs> heinous. Like yeah. the reason why I don't want to date. Honestly, it was also <laughs> on the screen there for us. Right there. Right I there do for us. I want to say though that character, his name is Will in the show. Um, the actor who plays him is Cameron Britton, who I think is better known for the show Mindhunter on Netflix. And he plays Edward Kemper, who is very scary and very weird and gross and bad, a bad, oh, bad person. Oh. So I am so pleased that uh cameron Britton got to be featured in as like the heartthrob or like the heartthrob love interest and is actually like the best dude he's as the we best come to find. dude he's just like so the hot best. so sweet so just endearing yeah yeah so i yeah. didn't realize he's on another show i have not watched that show it's like the opposite um, of this character and i think for like a fat actors it's so easy to get typecast yeah and so i was really the excited villain to see him to come together uh, or have people make that active decision to feature him mm-hmm. and show his mm-hmm. like range of ability mm-hmm. too. So, yeah. well, this is a show that I look forward to watching over and over again. Yeah. You'll um, have to, cause there's no more. <laughs> cause there's no more. Uh, and just like we said earlier, just really excited to see what comes um, from these folks that we love who created and starred in this show. I'm especially interested to pay attention to see um, 
what Lolly goes on to do, the actress who plays Fran. Mm-hmm. And then I always have my eyes on Lindy West, who wrote Shrill. I'm just like, where is she going? What's she doing? What's she writing? I want to watch it all. I want to read it all. Mm-hmm. I just want, I want anything she creates. I mean, I, I read that terrible, that wasn't a terrible book, but the book about all the movies that I hadn't even seen, but she wrote it. So I was like, give me this book. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, she, her voice is so perfect because like even so you gave shrill the book to your mom you're like it's funny and then you ask me like isn't it funny i was like no it's pretty sad but like (laughs) but lindy's funny and so the way she can like showcase things is really beautiful and also helps you work through some really (laughs) truly difficult concepts and and situations so and yeah. you know that that kind of aligns with what we just t- talked about with Plan B. Yeah. And maybe this is just the kind of person people we are, like with the media we enjoy. But this idea of like being being able to really strongly critique what's going on, mm-hmm. but to offer a lot of comedy to like help us get there and like help us not have to be so heartbroken about it all, right? To like acknowledge all of the bullshit and also be able to giggle about some things that are just like kind of silly along the way. Yeah, and I think we really uphold a lot of media that does a good job of telling different stories, right? Like, mm-hmm. certainly uh, stories we don't hear on a regular basis, but doing a good job of that. Like, I think our critique of Moxie, which we talked about ugh, way back in the day now, it feels like, uh, was that, like, it tried to tell too many stories, and so it kind of right. fell apart in doing that, whereas, like, Shrill or um plan b like they do a good job because they only focus on the specific people to get the Mm -hmm. nuance of who they are but they aren't the people we've seen time and time again on the screen too so agree yeah Yeah. well well we gotta wrap this up my friend This is the end of the podcast. Not not something more ominous, just like a little ominous until we revisit <laughs> your podcast feed again. Till then, you can visit our website, www.matteroffatpod.com, where you'll find show notes, transcripts, info about Matter of Fat, access to older episodes, and information on upcoming podlucks. If one of your love languages is gift giving, you can give us the gift of funds through Fat Cash. Matter of Fat Cash. Find us on Venmo at Matter of Fat Pod. And of course, we have all the details about this on our website. This episode's special shout outs go to Harry and Amy for sending some fat cash our way. Oh, thank you so much, you two. We appreciate you and we appreciate the love. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast wherever you catch Matter of Fat. We'd love to shout you out in our next outro if you give us a review. And of course, share and tag us on social media whenever you can. Until next time when we're back with another episode of Matter of Fat. Matter of Fat.